Well, last week we started a new message series which was entitled Touching God. And, and really the way that we touch, the way that we interact with God, the creator of the universe is through prayer. Prayer is how we develop a relationship with God. We speak to God and we listen to what God says back to us. And prayer really is two-way conversation. A lot of people uh, are learning about hearing from God. We need to learn to hear from God. Now, last week we talked about giving thanks for Thanksgiving. And today uh, we're going to be talking about confessing your sins. And I'm, I'm sure that's a, you know, just a real crowd grabber, right? To, uh, many people are coming to hear about confessing our sins. But uh, but a prayer of confession is really the most important prayer that you're ever going to pray. The first time that you confessed your sins and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ changed your eternal destiny. You became a child of God. You became part of God's family. But a prayer of confession is also one of the most important prayers that we need to keep on praying because, because confession is the way we're forgiven. Confession is the way that God changes us to become more and more like Jesus. Jesus began his ministry with the simple words that we find in Matthew 4, 17. And I'd encourage you to take out the white page in the middle of your bulletin. It has the outline with the verses written out. They're also on the screen as well. Uh, but you can uh, take some notes there if you'd like. It says, from that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That was Jesus' message summarized. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now after Jesus ascended back into heaven, did the early church change his message? No, it was exactly the same. Peter preached on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2.38, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so what is the first and foremost thing that Jesus and Peter in the early church commanded the people to do. It was to repent. Now, repent is not a word we use too often in normal language anymore, do you? You don't read the newspaper and hear about repenting. So what does it mean to repent? Well, the Greek word for repent is meanao, which means to turn around, to turn around. And so a lot of people think, we'll get to it, that repenting is just simply saying, I'm sorry. But that's not the real meaning of the word. To repent, therefore, is to admit that you've sinned, confession, and then turn away from that sin, turning toward God, turning in God's direction. So we were sinning, we're going in this direction. After sin, we repent, we admit that we've sinned, we turn away from that 180 degrees, and we follow God's direction away from that sin. That's what repentance is all about. Now, the word sin in the Bible means to miss the mark. It's a, I picture a, an archery target, you know, and you want to hit it with an arrow. And, and the target is God's will for your life, the things God wants you to accomplish for your life. And we want to hit that target. But when we sin, our, our lives miss the target, that's what sin is, missing God's target for our lives. If we do something contrary to God's word, whether it's knowingly or unknowingly, then we sin, we miss the mark. And so to repent is to confess that sin, to confess missing the mark with God and getting our lives back on track, back on target with God. 
Now, to clear up some misunderstanding about repentance, let's talk about what it is not. To repent is, is not simply to say, I'm sorry that I did this. Some people will knowingly sin, thinking that after they get what they want, they'll say sorry, they'll be forgiven, and they'll carry on with life. But that's not the case. Re repentance means that if you were in the same situation again, you would not commit that sin because you know it's wrong. You've turned away from that. You've changed your mind about that sin. So let's look at a verse in the Lord's Prayer, which we all probably are familiar with, which deals with confession of sin. Matthew 6, 12. We are to pray, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And so to, to truly pray this aspect of the Lord's Prayer and not just, you know, I could recite the Lord's Prayer in my sleep, right? And not really be thinking about or really praying a prayer. To just say the words is not enough. It's we have to be praying from our hearts to God. So to truly pray this aspect of the Lord's Prayer, we must repent of specific sins. What are the debts that we have before God? How have we sinned in the last day? Because the Lord's Prayer is give us today our daily. We are to pray something akin to it every day. It's an outline for our prayers. We must repent of specific sins that we have committed. And secondly, the second part which... Sometimes we just ignore, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And that means we must also forgive people who have sinned against us. We must forgive people who have hurt us in order to be forgiven ourselves. And Jesus makes that explicitly clear in some other verses. If you don't forgive others, our Heavenly Father or your Heavenly Father will not forgive you. And that's not a good thing, not to be forgiven. And so in order for us to be forgiven, we must forgive others. And so confession and repentance could be thought of as letting go of our sin. Sometimes we cling on to sin. We, we like to do it. To confess and repent of a sin is to let it go, including the sin of unforgiveness towards others. I'd like to watch a short video about what repentance is, especially forgiving others. It's called let go. This morning as we go through this, this message, God is going to be speaking to each one of us about letting go, letting go of any known sin in our lives. For some, it may be the sin of unforgiveness towards another person, somebody who has hurt you perhaps deeply, and God wants you to let go, to confess that unforgiveness. For others, it might be other types of sins that you've committed and how do we let go of that sin it's it's by confessing it specifically to God repenting turning away from that sin not picking it up again and seeking to follow God today we're going to be looking at a passage of scripture from first John chapter one and two to to instruct us to help us to learn how to better walk with God without sin and and how to deal with sin if and when we fall into it First of all, we must walk in the light. Our passage begins in verse 5. It says, this is the message that we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. So in the Bible, the, the uh, light symbolizes purity. It symbolizes righteousness. That's, that's lack of sin. Darkness, on the other hand, symbolizes impurity, sin, and unrighteousness. And God is characterized by absolute purity. There is no sin. There is no evil in God at all. 
He is perfect. There is no imperfection in Him. And that is true of each of the three members of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so as believers who have put our faith and trust in this God who is light, how should we walk? How should we live our lives? Well, we need to practice the truth. Verse 6, if we say we have fellowship with Him, that is with God, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. And so first of all, John speaks of the negative, what we are not to be like. Some would say, I'm a believer. I, I have fellowship with God, and yet they walk in darkness. And what does it mean to walk in darkness? It means to repeatedly and knowingly engage in sin. To say that you are a believer when you're walking in sin, committing that sin, not repenting of that sin, is to lie. To say something that's not true. And so to practice the truth is to tell the truth. If I have fellowship with God, I will walk in the light by not sinning. And that is the only way that we can enjoy fellowship. Verse 7, if we walk in the light as He, that is God is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. So if we live and walk in the light as, as God is light, then we can have fellowship in two dimensions. The first dimension that we can have fellowship with as we walk in the light is with other believers. Other believers in the church family. To have fellowship, the Greek word is koinonia, is, is to have a relationship with other people in the church family. To, to get to know them, to have friendship, to serve together in the church family. It begins by saying, hello, my name is on Sunday morning, but it goes much deeper than that. It's a relationship that's rooted in having common beliefs. It's a relationship that is rooted in ministering together in God's kingdom, serving God together, praying together. Secondly, when we walk in the light, not only do we have fellowship with other believers, we have fellowship with God. It says we can have fellowship with God because the blood of Jesus cleanses us from our sin. Now, if we're walking in the light, why do we need to be cleansed from sin? We're going to talk about that in a few minutes. But how can we determine whether we're walking in the light or walking in the darkness? Many people today say that they alone determine how they should live. And they feel if they're living in light of how they feel they should live, according to their own conscience, they're walking in their own light. But this passage begins by telling us that God is light. God is our reference point. He tells us what light is like. God is the one who defines it. God is the one who defines darkness or sin. And how does God define for us darkness or light? Well, God has revealed to us what He is like in the pages of God's Word, in the pages of the Bible, written by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. God's Word is our absolute standard of what is light and what is darkness, what is right and what is wrong. And so God commands us to walk in the light. As he has revealed the light that he dwells in. Now next we learn how to walk. And keep walking in God's light. By admitting our sin. Verse 8. If we say we have no sin. We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. The Bible teaches us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every person without exception has sinned. And so to say 
or to even believe that a person has no sin is to deceive yourself. It's not true. And so the first step in having a relationship with God is to be truthful with him, to be honest with him, to admit that you do have sin in your life. We don't compare ourselves to somebody else and say, well, I'm better than them. We compare ourselves to God. God is light. There is no sin, no evil, no imperfection in him. And of course, Jesus Christ, being God incarnate, lived a perfect life. We look at him. And none of us measures up. We all have sinned. And so as believers, we must, uh, as unbelievers, we must admit to become a believer that we have sin. And as believers, we also must admit our sin. Sin in the life of a person damages our relationship with God. Sin allows darkness to enter into our lives. But it's not enough simply to admit to myself, yes, I've sinned. Yes, I know I've done something wrong. We must confess that sin. 1 John 1, 9 and 10 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. So I've underlined 1 John 1, 9 because it's a very good verse to memorize. In fact, it's a very important verse. It's really the key verse of the message today. So, Let's say the verse together, 1 John 1, 9. You ready? If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So to confess your sin is to confess it to somebody else. That's what confession is all about. In this verse, it means to confess it to God. When we confess our sin, when we repent of our sins, something wonderful happens. God forgives us. We don't deserve to be forgiven. We're guilty. He forgives us. That means we don't have to remain separated from God. We don't have to spend eternity in hell apart from him because of our sin. He forgives us. And not only are we forgiven, it says God goes inside of us and cleans us up. He, he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. He, he gets that darkness out of our soul. He begins to work in our lives. And so once our sins are forgiven, we're back to walking and the brilliance of God's light. Let's look at a verse from another passage to see the con connection between confession of sin and how to receive healing. James 5.16 says, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So when there is unconfessed sin in a, in a person's life, we've already talked, it allows Spiritual darkness to come into that person's life. And at times, it allows physical illness to enter. We know from Jesus' ministry that not all sickness is caused by sin in a person's life. We also know that some sickness is caused by a person's sin. And so the remedy is to confess your sins, not just to God. Who does it say we should confess our sins to in this passage on healing? To one another. And then other believers can pray for physical healing for your body. And notice it says the prayer of a righteous person has great power. A righteous person is not a perfect person, but it's a, a because none of us is perfect, but it's a person who has learned to quickly confess their sin, to be cleansed of unrighteousness, and to keep walking in the light as a lifestyle. So sin 
always brings darkness and separation. Separation from God, separation from other believers. Confession of sin to God and others brings light and wholeness into a person's life, into a person's relationships. Now, when do we need to confess our sins to one another? Doesn't mean you have to confess, you know, every last... I don't want to hear all your sins. You know, I mean, really, nobody wants to hear everybody's every little sin they do. Okay, Uh, but there are times one important uh, case is when a person has a life controlling problem or sin and they've struggled with it for months or sometimes years and they can't break free on their own. Well, that's what happens in our living free group. People confess the sins that are dominating them in that group, confess it to others in the group, and the group prays for them to be healed of this problem that they're dealing with. So if you have a friend or relative that needs to break free from a life-controlling problem, invite them to attend Living Free on Thursdays at 6.30 here. And that's just one example. But of course, whenever we need prayer for healing, especially some specific or a difficult thing, we need to be sure that our consciences are clear. uh, That we've confessed all all known sin. According to Jesus in the Lord's Prayer, our personal sins need to be confessed to Him on a daily basis. And I must admit, as I pray the Lord's Prayer, I, I never forget to pray for my own needs. They usually seem to come to the top of the list. I need this, I need that. And we thank God for things. And sometimes we forget to confess our sins. It's kind of a, we're tempted to think, hey, we didn't do anything too bad today. But if we ask God, God revealed to me, he'll begin to say, hey, what did you say to your wife uh, a couple hours ago? Or what, how did you deal with your children? Or what thoughts did you have towards somebody who, said something to you that wasn't very nice. And we become convicted of our sin. And then we confess our sin. So sometimes we need to simply ask God to reveal to us how we've sinned so that we can confess our sins. Without confession, your life is not going to change. We'll talk about that more in a minute. But with confession of your sins, the places in your life where you've missed God's mark God's going to cleanse you and help you become more of a person who's more and more like Jesus and your life is going to hit the target, God's target for your life, with greater accuracy. Finally, we need to learn to abide in Christ. We're going to move into chapter 2, verse 1. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if, Anyone does sin. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And so as a believer, you don't have to sin. You can't say, I just can't help it. You don't have to sin. In fact, as you grow in God, you should sin less and less. But if you sin, which you will, that's not the end of the world. Why? Because Jesus paid the price for your sins. And we can go to him and ask for his forgiveness. So how can we learn to sin less or or not to sin? It's by keeping his commands. 
Verse 3, by this we know that we have come to know him. That's God. If we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. And so what is the fruit of a believer's life? John here tells us that the most obvious fruit of a believer's life is to keep God's commands. He does what is right and he shuns what is wrong in his lifestyle. If someone says that they know God, I know God, I'm a believer, but they don't keep the commands that we have written down for us in the Bible, then what they're saying is not true. They don't know God. Everyone who knows God will follow God's commands because they've been born again, because they become a new creation. Now, we need to be careful to understand we're not saved by keeping God's commands. We're saved through faith. But those who are truly saved will walk as Jesus walked, as we'll talk about in a minute, will keep God's commands. That's the fruit of a believer's life. And when they don't, they will repent and get back on track. We need to walk as Jesus walked. Verse 5. But whoever keeps his word, that's God's word, the Bible, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. And so keeping God's word is to obey his commands. That's hitting the target of God's purpose for your life. And as we confess our sins and as our lives are cleansed by God's spirit, God's love is perfected in our lives. We mature, we grow in God. And so to have the assurance of our salvation to know that we are in God, to know that we are truly a believer, we must walk in the light as Jesus did. Now, some years ago, I never had one, but there was armbands, and maybe they still sell them, that had the letters WWJD on them. Anybody remember that? Yeah. What would Jesus do in any given situation? And, and really, that's basically what these verses are saying. That's not a bad concept. Anyone who says he abides in God ought to, or in Jesus, ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Do the same things that Jesus did. Say the same things that Jesus said or, or would have said in any given situation. A true believer will walk in the light, confessing any sins of darkness and continuing to abide in Christ. Now, many people pray earnestly for God to change their circumstances. And there's nothing wrong with that kind of prayer. Asking God to meet your needs. But oftentimes, God is more interested in the immediate of changing us than immediately changing our circumstances. In fact, God oftentimes allows unpleasant circumstances to come into our lives so that we change. How does God change us through circumstances? Well, Unpleasant circumstances often reveal sin in our lives. Sometimes difficult circumstances reveal the sins of, of worry and anxiety. Other times, difficult circumstances with other people. Somebody hurts you. Somebody lies about you. Somebody cheats you. Somebody doesn't do what you think they should do. It reveals sins inside of us. Hatred, anger, unforgiveness, revenge. 
And yet other times, financial difficulties reveal the sin of trusting in our finances rather than trusting in God to meet our needs. And so as God allows us to go through sometimes unpleasant circumstances, He's revealing things in our lives that need to change. And oftentimes as we change, then the circumstances get resolved. We need to repent of any sin, turn away from that sin, and continue to abide in Christ. And so God wants each one of us as believers to walk in the light, to have fellowship with God and with other believers in the church family, to keep walking in the light. We mustn't deny our sin. We must admit it, confess it, repent and turn away from it. We always confess our sin to God. Sometimes God will lead us to confess to other believers in order to receive healing in different areas of our lives. And so our lives should be lives of abiding in Christ, of keeping his commands and seeking to walk as Jesus did. And as we do those things, our lives will be on target. And God will continue to bless us. Why? So that we can be a blessing to others. This morning, if you're not sure that you're a believer in Jesus Christ, God wants you to put your faith and trust in him as your Lord and Savior. And that encompasses, according to the Bible, three things. The first thing is to admit or to confess that you've sinned. You look at your life and you see things you know you've done that were not right. Secondly, you believe that Jesus died on the cross, that your sins might be forgiven. He paid the penalty for your sin. He rose from the dead three days later. He's coming again. And you commit your life to following him. And his instruction all the days of your life. I'd like to ask us to bow our heads now. We're going to pray. And if you'd like to commit your life to Jesus for the first time. Or recommit your life to him today. I'd encourage you to pray along with me. A prayer something like this. Father today. I admit that I've sinned. I've done wrong things. I confess those sins to you. You, And in my mind I'm speaking of them to you right now. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, took my sins upon himself that I might be forgiven. Please forgive me. I believe you rose from the dead and are alive today. Come into my life. I commit myself to following you in your way, to keeping your commands, to walking in your light all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.